Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus over we are your one-stop shop for sports betting news and information danny borg's updated nfl model projections and power ratings went up there this morning for week four my college football power ratings went up on Monday, so you've got my thoughts for this week here in the college action. We had a great preview for the Safeway Open from James Mazzola. Good to have him back this year for the new PGA Tour season. NASCAR preview for this weekend. We'll have odds market reports for college football in the NFL tomorrow. We've got WNBA playoff coverage. We'll have Major League Baseball playoff coverage next week. So lots of stuff going on over at bangthebook.com. As you know, this and every edition of Bang the Book Radio, presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook, BTB, and the number 200 is that promo code, 100% deposit match bonus for the sportsbook, 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. Coming up, we got our first guest here, first and only guest of the show. That is professional handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. Brad, how's it going today, man? That's going well. Good to hear your voice on this uh, fine Thursday. Thursday, yeah, yes, it's Thursday. It is Thursday. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess it is Thursday. Oh, you know how it is, man. All these days run together until the games actually start, and then you know what day it is. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Uh, it, it happens regularly to me uh, during the course uh, of football season. All right, so we're going to get to a lot of games here on this segment, both in college football and the NFL, but I want to start with a couple of I guess I'll call them betting concepts for lack of a better term. I've been talking about this with our different guests throughout the week, and I want to get your take on it here as well. A lot of teams now in conference play, and for the most part, it'll be conference play the rest of the way through the regular season and the conference championship games. So two specific things I want to talk to you about here first, betting trends. You know, now that we're in conference play, you've got more history, more sample size, stuff like that. Do you tend to look more at betting trends now? Do you tend to feel like they've got some more value? Yeah, I would say trends more in like maybe past history, I think, obviously becomes more, I wouldn't say reliable because, I mean, there's so much turnover in college football from a roster aspect. But, you know, maybe there's specific coaching dynamics. If they've been there a long time, you know, two, three, four-plus years, that's what comes obviously more into play when conference play familiarity. Uh, and I'd argue familiarity sometimes, at least early on in the season. Uh, and I'll have to, you know, to query this up, but a lot of times early season, what I'm looking to do was because there's familiarity with the teams. I, I like betting a little bit more unders than overs. I mean, especially in the month of October, sometimes the weather's kind of changing a little bit and you get conference matchups with teams that, that know each other quite well. 
I, I have found success in the past. Doesn't mean that's going to project forward, but at least in the past, you know, betting some more unders than, than overs, especially in, in October. And then one other question I had here this week from a listener, and I've been crowdsourcing opinions on this one, revenge angles. How big of a factor mm. are those for you? In particular, you know, he mentioned that he's looking at teams that were, say, a double-digit favorite last year, lost the game outright, kind of looking at it from a revenge standpoint that way. But maybe, you know, in more general terms, is revenge a big deal for you? Uh I think he's doing the right thing, looking more, you know, double-digit favorite. And I'll have to query this up as well. But, yeah, I don't think there's revenge if they lost as a three-point favorite like the year prior. I, You know, I hate to, to give the political answer here, but it's got to be treated on a case-by-case basis. You know, what are the situations around it? But I think a good starting point would be, you know, how big of a favorite were they the year prior? And, you know, throughout the course of the week, reading, I mean, the coaches and the players will tip you off if it's a factor to them. If they're bringing it up, trying to tone for for the past season because it, it'll get brought up throughout the course of the week in the press conferences then it, to me it becomes more of a factor but again more of a case-by-case basis I'm never blindly betting on revenge well and I think too you know some people may call it revenge but sometimes that game the previous year was was just an outlier you know maybe that team lost because they yeah, were good call. minus three in turnover margin or maybe the quarterback got hurt in the first half kid who comes in the second half is a true freshman or a redshirt freshman never thrown a pass in a college game maybe it's not revenge maybe it's just you know the better team happened to lose for one reason or another the following year they're going to reestablish their dominance as the better team yeah I think that's uh, and that's probably what I bet more on than anything at least yeah, and not blind. I mean, I bet on my power ratings more than anything, but, uh, you know, outliers. I'm looking for that, and that's when when I do trends sometimes, I'm always looking for that. When's, you know, when's the last time that this team's been, you know, a road favorite? Or, you know, I'll just throw out an example this week. You know, as soon as I saw Wake Forest up to nearly a touchdown spread at Boston College, what came to my mind was, when's the last time Wake Forest was laying that kind of number on the road in ACC play? It's actually 2007 to me. Not not all the time, but more often than not, I think that you know when you see those outlier lines or outlier performances, that, that usually means market overreaction. That's where I take advantage. At the risk of cutting off a game or two here from the segment, something else I just thought of, something I should have asked our guests earlier in the week, and, and I'll try to rectify this next week. Do you have different home field advantages for conference play than you would for non-conference? Mm. I mean, when you think about it, you know, Ohio State's playing Miami of Ohio there's a hundred thousand people there because it's an Ohio state game because you get a chance to go, but also everybody knows they're going to win that game big. You know, the 12th man, so to speak, may have a bigger impact in these more competitive conference games. So do you alter your home field advantage based on conference play? It's a good call. Uh, You know, the crowd enthusiasm because it's a bigger game goes up, but then I would say the road opponent has more familiarity with the stadium. So I probably a net neutral, but, Something that, I mean, probably a research project that I'll have to do in the off season. We won't have time to do it. But I think you're bringing up some valid points where there might be some extra value. My thought process is that it doesn't for, for what I just laid out. I, I think on one hand, the, the crowd's more active. But on the other, I just think the, the players and the coaches on the other side are more used to that atmosphere. So I, I think it's a net neutral. But I'll get back to you. Let me get back to you in June when I got some time to really research that. And that, 
And what will probably end up happening, it'll be difference. There'll be differences among conferences. Yeah, no, that's fair. And also, too, I mean, like you said, familiarity, not just with the venue, but with the place you're going, similar weather conditions, because a lot of these conferences, yep. you know, are, are grouped geographically. I mean, obviously, you've got Conference USA where, you know, UTEP is in elevation. You've got to go all the way up to, you know, Marshall or something like that. You know, there are some differences in some of the group of fives, but by and large, the major conferences, you're playing in weather conditions you're used to. You're used to going to places, especially in the Power Five you're usually flying in and out of big airports or something like that. So there are some different dynamics in play that probably do wind up canceling each other out. But this is something we can talk about once we roll around to college basketball season, where I do think home court advantage is different in conference play than it would be in the non-conference. But again, that's uh, putting the cart before the horse here a couple months in advance. In any event, let's go ahead and get to some of these games here. We'll start with Friday night, Pac-12 after dark, which was very fun last week. If you were following along with that UCLA-Washington State game, this one probably a lot less exciting, but still a good game here. Arizona State and Cal. Cal anywhere from a four-point favorite at Bookmaker to a five-point favorite at the very public shop, Bovada. So this one's kind of all over the place a little bit. So wait a second. You're telling me defense isn't as exciting as offense? No, I don't think so. Is that what you're saying? Sorry. I am. (laughs) Okay. No, nah, I hear you, buddy. I, I think it's going to be a close game, though. I, I mean, both teams have played close games. I mean, seven of Cal's last 10 games decided by one possession. 11 of Arizona State's last 15 decided by one possession. And, and a lot of it, both teams aren't very high variance. You, you are what you are when it comes to Cal and Arizona State. Both teams, even going back to last year's struggle offensively, they've had their bright moments here and there. But both teams very sound on the defensive side of the ball. Tough for me seeing Cal get in margin here. It's not going to be one of my favorite picks of the week, but I'm leaning towards Arizona State. And if you're just blindly betting the dog in both of these two teams' games, so let's take Arizona State's last 10 games. Let's take Cal's last 10 games. So you got 20-game sample size. Underdog 17-2, and two, one push against the spread. 8 uh, no this year. Just for that, give me the dog, Arizona State plus 4.5. Yeah, my number's five and a half here, so I was right where the market opened, but I still like the Arizona State side for the reasons that you mentioned. I mean, again, expecting a close, low-scoring type of game, and you know, these are two teams. I, I think I talked about this in my video over on our Bang the Book YouTube page. Third down's going to really matter in this game. If one team yep. you know, can convert third downs on offense, it's going to give them a huge edge here in this one. The one thing that does concern me a little bit for Cal is that they faced a lot of snaps last week against Ole Miss down in some hot and humid conditions, short week, quick turnaround. Maybe that hurts this Cal defense a little bit and kind of provides maybe a chink in the armor for Arizona State. But again, redshirt freshman quarterback would have to take advantage. Yeah, I would agree. And, I mean, look, stats-wise, did the part uh, a couple weeks ago. But, I mean, Cal's defense, I mean, is as good as as any. And – I, I just – look, Garbers did good last week against Ole Miss, but, again, they only put 28 points on the board when it was all said and done. I just – I don't see either team having much success offensively, and obviously that's pricing the total. When you only got a total of 41.5, does that mean I'm on the under here? No, I, I just think in today's day and age college football, that leaves you absolutely no room, uh, wiggle room uh, to cash a ticket. I mean, look at the Northwestern Michigan State game from a week ago. Uh yeah, I mean, 
it's it's one and i'm sorry i didn't lead it off and you got to train this home on me uh adam didn't lead it off with my power rating even though i'm leaning arizona state power rating says cal minus five i just think the way the game's going to get played i'd lean more towards the arizona state side and again we we drive this point home with our listeners you know your power ratings start as a guide your power ratings start as an opportunity to try and get some line value and get a number but as you start handicapping the game that power rating number does go away a little bit as you start digging some more into the game, and especially late in the year when your power rating should be yeah. pretty close to the market, as I know yours are going to be, and as I hope mine are going to be. We move to Saturday here. Early kickoff yet again at Camp Randall. Northwestern and Wisconsin game 113-114. Wisconsin resounding win last week. I was on Michigan. I was dead wrong. Oh. Ohio State fan, I don't mind seeing Michigan lose, but seeing Michigan lose in that manner – just not being competitive at all. Real bad look for Harbaugh, obviously, for a variety of different reasons. We'll see if they can let out some frustration against Rutgers this week. But this week, this Wisconsin team now laying 24 and a half, even a 25 out there against Northwestern, again here with a low total of 46. Yeah, my number's 22. Uh, and, and I was, I've updated, uh, you know, upgraded Wisconsin quite a bit. I mean, I got them up to number seven in the country right now. And on top of that, I've upgraded them about a touchdown. Uh, I mean, they've covered they've covered their three games by a combined 81.5 points. Covered, not one, covered. 81.5 points, three games. But I, I, to me, and I get it, Northwestern hasn't looked good at all offensively. And it's tough to see, and I'm maybe keeping pace here. But I, I'll play my numbers in this instance. And, and speaking of numbers, I found this remarkable. So I just went the last 10 years, Northwestern. How do they do as a double-digit underdog, Northwestern? And they're 10 and 8. That doesn't sound that good, does it? Double-digit underdog, they're 10 and 8. Adam, they're 10 and 8 straight up as a double-digit underdog. So they've won more than they've lost outright as a double-digit underdog. Uh, I, I just think the spread is a little bit too high. I think there was an overreaction to how good Wisconsin looked last week, how bad Northwestern looked. For that, I'll take the Wildcats here, and I'm talking myself into having a sizable bet on them. Yeah, my number was 20 and a half, so I was closer to the open. Obviously, I haven't pulled Northwestern down enough because I do have Wisconsin number seven in the country in my power ratings as well. But like you said, you know, I mean, Northwestern, they're a scrappy defensive team. You know, and I, I also think, too, that, you know, Wisconsin kind of set a tone in that game last week. They went for fourth down in their own territory. They had some big third down conversions. You know, Michigan just had problems moving the football, and Northwestern probably will too. But if you're Wisconsin here this week, laying, you know, four scores essentially here in this game, I don't think Jonathan Taylor plays a whole lot. I know maybe you want to drive up that Heisman campaign, but also he got dinged last week. There's really no reason to put him at risk too much in this game. Does that mean that Wisconsin maybe slows down a little bit, doesn't embarrass Northwestern? I think that could be the case here in this one. So, I probably do like Northwestern a little bit, but obviously with how Hunter Johnson that offense has looked, no. uh, it's, it's, it's very scary to say the least. Game 115-116 here, a game you mentioned already, Wake Forest and Boston College. Wake Forest laying six and a half on the road. Like you said, it's been a long time since that's happened. Yeah, I, I mentioned this briefly earlier, but, I mean, it's the, the largest road favorite role for Wake Forest in ACC play since 07. I just think, you know, to me, and this is one of my biggest overlays of the week, and, and no doubt, I, I've upgraded Wake, Wake Forest, maybe not enough. Uh, I mean, but 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 I'll argue they still could have lost that season opener uh, against uh, Utah State. So 
it's not been overwhelming, but I got him up a couple of points. Maybe it should be a little bit more. I, I could see that. Boston College, you know, I got him down a couple of points. But I think what the market's doing, Adam, is, you know, overreacting to the Kansas loss from a couple of weeks ago. So, to me, I'm going to pounce on that. I mean, my number has, like, Wake Forest slight favorite, like, in the one-point range here. So, I gave out Boston College in my weekly newsletter as one of my favorite bets of the week. You know, I just trust A.J. Dillon. And Boston College has been a pretty good home dog. I'll take them plus a six and a half here. My number's four and a half, so I'm a little bit closer oh, here. Wow. But I, I understand what you're saying about, you know, Wake, not just the, the perception of Wake Forest, but also the negative perception of Boston College. And Boston College wasn't great last week against Rutgers either. I mean, you know, a, a nice bounce back win for them. They weren't great in that game. And, and that's part of it too. You know, when you play these teams that are either dregs this year or have been dregs historically – and you don't look the part, people really hold that against you. So I think there definitely is some inflation here. And I don't, I, I'm sure this wasn't a game of the year line or anything like that, but I presume, you know, you would have had Boston College favored in this game coming into the season. So, you know, is what we've seen in three or four data points enough to completely flip this game as much as it has been? I would say probably not. So, you know, an important lesson. And, and again, maybe Boston College gets blown out, but. Yeah, we're looking for line value here, and, and it does seem like there is some on the dog. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I just think an, an overreaction. I'm glad you bring up, like, what was the game of the year lines? Because, I mean, I, at this point, it's fun looking at that. I, I mean, because we're, we're talking one month, and, and I get it with the turnover in college football. I mean, it, it, there's, you know, gr- I'm not willing to play on it as much because I'll, I'll be perfectly frank, when it comes to the NFL, I play a lot of the look ahead just from the week prior, but you know, it's funny to see how perception of programs change uh, in just three, four games. In a lot of instances, that they really have only had maybe one or two competitive games so far uh, this season. So um, you're right. I, I would have had Boston College as a slight favorite if this if this was a game in the year line at the start of the season. So at least a, a slight favorite. I would argue I probably had a more like a three and a half, four point favorite. Yeah, I'm assuming it was probably three. I'm assuming that they were about to pick them on a neutral and then home field for Boston College is probably my number. On the other hand, of course, and again, you don't want to fall victim to one data point or one game. Wisconsin was a seven-point dog at home to Michigan over the summer, and that adjustment was obviously completely (laughs) 100% accurate last week. So, again, I guess we'll just kind of see how this one plays out. How about game 121-122? I love this game for a variety of different reasons, largely because people aren't going to talk about SMU and South Florida on a lot of shows here this week, but I'm going to. SMU, seven-and-a-half-point favorite, coming off of easily their biggest win in, in I don't know how long. South Florida absolutely sucks. This number yeah. looks light at first glance, but th- there's something holding me back from taking SMU here. Yeah, the thing that's holding me back is just the spot. You mentioned, I mean, SMU's off one of their biggest wins. Uh, in a while, uh, and USF's coming off of uh, a bye. So that's what's holding me back. But, uh, I mean, to me, it's favored or pass here because I think there's a much better chance that SMU just crushes South Florida. I mean, people are going to, you know, be prisoners of the, you know, box score in the final, or I should say final score instead of the box score. I mean, USF's last game, they beat South Carolina State 55-16. Dive in the box score. South Florida was plus eight in turnovers, plus eight 
in one game. So, I, I mean, and obviously the data points that South Florida had prior to that weren't good. Yeah, I think there's a, a decent chance that SMU just goes in there and, and just crushes them, even though I think it's a flat spot for the, the Ponies here. Uh, I lean with a favorite. Yeah, I, I agree. It's kind of a favorite or pass spot. And also, too, you know, for South Florida, I mean, yeah, you would think somebody like Charlie Strong off a of bye would be, you know, a benefit for a group of five teams. And I just, mm. I don't think so. I just, I'm Charlie. I'm selling <laughs> as much stock as I can in that guy. I, just, I think he's not very good. No, I don't think he is either. And, and I like Charlie Strong. I liked him as a defense coordinator on Irvin Meyer. I liked what I saw at Louisville, but was it more Teddy Bridgewater than him? Uh, you could say he got kind of a, a bad shake at Texas, but, I mean, they did give him three years, and he, he was middling right around 500. And, you know, after, you know, Quentin Flowers left South Florida, this this hasn't been a good look here the last, you know, year or so for, for South Florida. And um, I don't think it's going to be a good look on Saturday. Uh, if SMU, if I'll tell you, this is one good in-game. I mean, if SMU comes out and scores and they look like they, they got their, you know, heads on straight for this game, they don't look flat or anything, I think that's one you get involved in-game running. And there, I think there'd be a good chance SMU wins the game by three touchdowns. But I got to. I got to see it first because I do think there's a, a decent chance that they're flat. Yeah, and you know what else too? If they're not flat, SMU gets upgraded again in my power ratings, and I've already been yeah. moving them up as it is. But if you overcome a spot like that and go on the road and beat the hell out of somebody, I mean, it, it's a win that won't get the credit it deserves because people are going to say, "Well, yeah, they were a seven and a half point favorite; they should win the game comfortably." Maybe they should, but. You know, we're betting on 18 to 22-year-old kids. And if they're motivated enough to go out there and win by 20, 28, 30, who knows? I mean, you've got to upgrade a team like that. And you probably also have to downgrade South Florida again, too, uh, which is something I'm kind of expecting to do here after the weekend. <laughs> How about game 125-126? Georgia Tech and Temple. Fun little game here as Jeff Collins heads back to Philadelphia to take on his former team with his current team, who is not very good. Yeah, tough handicap. I mean, on one hand, you got, you know, the former Temple coach, Jeff Collins. Uh, he's now at Georgia Tech. I mean, he's going to know the Temple player's strength and weaknesses. He recruited that roster. Uh, but, you know, on the other side, Temple's probably going to be plenty motivated to play against their former coach that left them. So, you know, what's the, the net? Is that a net neutral? No. In fact, I'm probably a little bit more on the Georgia Tech side here. Uh, and number one, I like playing against teams. I think the market throws teams in the trash after losing the FCS schools. It's just, you know, they see the Citadel. Are you kidding me? How could you lose the Citadel? Now, I'm not saying in this instance the Citadel is, you know, really good, but I've found that a lot of the FCS schools are just as good as the bottom 10, 20, 30 FBS schools, and there's just more of an overreaction to that loss. I like that Georgia Tech's coming off a bye here. I think they're plenty motivated. I'd have liked it a hell of a lot more if Temple just didn't go out and lose outright as a two-touchdown favorite last week at Buffalo. I thought I was going to get a nice, juicy number here. Georgia Tech, you know, getting the plus double digits, that's not the case. I just lean Georgia Tech. I like Temple in this game. I actually like oh, Temple wow. a fair amount in this game. My that? numbers – sure, we can do that. We, we can right. do that. If, what's are we, What are we doing here? Because there's eight and nine in the market. Eight and a half? Eight and a half. Let's do eight and a half. That way there's not a push. All right, and then we'll decide off-air what our bet's going to be on the game here, and I'm sure listeners will want to know. We'll tell them next week. Um, Here's the thing. Georgia Tech, in that game against South Florida, who we've already established really sucks, 
3.7 yards per play. They had 76 passing yards on 14 completions. So Georgia Tech's offense was completely anemic in that game against South Florida. Temple, fourth in the country in yards per play allowed. Uh, I think Temple doesn't have to do a whole lot offensively here to cover this number. If they get into the 20s, I think they're going to do it. So that's why I like Temple. But uh, once again, we'll figure out what we're going to do here off air. Unless you want to throw something out on the air. It seemed like you were kind of eager to do that. No, I just, whenever people disagree, I just, you know, people, you have those disagreement shows and they just throw hot takes left and right. And there's never anything involved on it. I mean, I like cash when, when somebody's got an opinion and I disagree, even if it's a slight disagreement here, I'm probably going to end up being a negative EV bet. Yeah. And I've lost way more than I've won (laughs) against you. So now that I'm, thinking about it i'll probably just buy you out for a dinner i'll just buy out of the bet right now and i owe you a dinner all right fair enough do i get to pick where we go or are you going to take me yeah, to like yeah, yeah. no i love in and out but are you just going to like cheap out i mean yeah that's In-N-Out? fine you know I, I mean this is a whole different conversation <laughs> for the off season i loved in and out when i got here but now i think it's overrated i think that i mean i think there's better places here uh i mean and i'm talking in the same realm of you know is it fast food? Is it just, a, you know, slightly above it? I think in and outs overrated at this point. I know that's going to be blasphemous for, you know, 90% of the people out there listening. I will say this. I mean, we don't have in and out in Ohio, as you know. I really like in and out I had Whataburger over the, back in the spring. I was not a fan. in and out blows oh, wow. Whataburger away. All right. I have not had Whataburger, so. Uh, okay. Are you talking Smashburger right. then? Well, we'll have to. Are you, are you comparing In and Out to Smashburger? Ooh, uh, you know, Fat Burger's pretty good here. It all depends. I, you know, on one hand, I love the simplicity of In and Out, just because we live in a day and age where you know everything's just. I mean, it's almost frozen because there's so many different options. But I, I kind of like Fat Burger because they give you different options. So right now, I actually prefer Fat Burger. Uh, if you're familiar with that, you come to Vegas over in and out. All right. You know what I bet you miss? Swenson's. I bet you miss Swenson's from being around this area. And if you haven't had it, a little I, bit. Next, time you're, next time you come back, we're going. And believe it or not, and, and again, people are going to like, Brad sucks. Uh, but I, I kind of <laughs> miss Penn Station, too. No Penn oh, Station's Penn out here. I love yeah, Penn Station. No Penn Station's here. All right. Anyway, <laughs> we're just going way, <laughs> way off script here. Now I'm hungry because it's almost lunchtime for me. All right. Game 137-138, Minnesota and Purdue. Minnesota, one-and-a-half-point road favorite here in this one. You agree with that number? Ooh, it's got me a little worried because, I mean, now that the money's starting to come out of Minnesota, it's all about Elijah Sindelar who sat out uh, the last game. He's the Purdue starting quarterback. I thought, and I – thought he would be back. I mean, because Purdue's off a bye. I get it. We have to treat concussions. And this isn't 10, 15, 20 years ago, and we've got to take concussions a lot more seriously. But I thought Purdue having that bye week, both teams off a bye, I was going to be on Purdue here because I think Minnesota's kind of a fraud. I mean, they've won three straight games here against, you know, two group of five. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Teams in an FCS school all, you know, two solid group of fives and a very good FCS school. So I'll, I'll give them that, but all three were close. Ball could have bounced either way, and Minnesota could be sitting here one and two instead of three and zero. Oh, and I'm just not buying the Gophers. And I thought if Cindelar would be cleared, I actually think Purdue should be the favorite. The way it's trending now, it's Thursday, and we still don't know. I'm kind of worried that he's not going to play if he doesn't. I think Cindelar is worth more than just your general three four points. I mean, he's probably seeing what I saw from Purdue's offense with him out against TCU. Uh, he's certainly way more than a field goal, and that's the case. Then, then Minnesota probably should be creeping more towards a field goal plus favorite. But if he does play Sindelar, Purdue should be the favorite. I'm kind of in limbo here. I, I, I really want to bet Purdue, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I got this one, Minnesota minus one and a half, assuming Sindelar's out. So I agree with you that, you know, his status is very important for this game. And, look, the market's going to tell us. You know, I mean, if this line goes up on the Minnesota side – it probably means Sindelar is out, even if it's not widely reported. If it swings back the yeah. other way, Sindelar is probably going to play. And we saw that in a game we will try to touch on here at the end, uh, the North Texas and Houston game. The market found out about De'Ara King before everybody did. And that line was starting to move before that news came out. So the market finds these things out. So if you do see that line swing one way or another, you got a pretty good idea of what's going on there. How about Pac-12 action here? Game 145-146. Washington State and Utah. Utah, this one again, five at Matchbook, five and a half at Bet Online, and five dimes, six pretty much everywhere else. So another one kind of hovering in that dead zone at some different numbers. But this may be the toughest handicap of the week, I think. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's a tough handicap because it's tough judging where the teams are mentally after losing last week. I mean, Utah could have really, in my opinion, could have started wrapping up the Pac-12 South if they would have went into the Coliseum and got a win over SC. But they lose the game. And not only do they lose the game, I mean, they really struggled after their running back, Zach Moss. I think Zach Moss is the top ten running back in the country. Uh, I, I think he's more doubtful here than, than questionable uh, from what I've been reading. And then on top of that, I mean, Tyler Huntley, there's some questions about you know, whether or not he's going to play. And if he does, is, is he going to be 100% effective? And then on the other side, how does Washington State pick themselves up off the mat after blowing a 32-point lead last week? Uh, too tough of a handicap for me uh, to, to get involved. I, I, total pass for me. It's just uh, you, you hit the nail on the head at the top. I think it's the toughest handicap of the week. It is a tough handicap, and it's, it's made tougher because I like both of these coaches. You know, Mike Leach was yeah. very upfront in his press conference as well and was like, hey, if you're not going to be better, you're not going to play. And – like he's so deadpan about everything. He, he's a hilarious interview. But Kyle Whittingham is thought to be, you know, borderline top five, easily top ten coach in college football for a lot of people. So you got two good head coaches here too that you would expect to have their teams back and ready to go. If you had a coaching mismatch in this game, or at least a very well defined one, maybe you've got a side to play here. But because we don't have that, uh, I just don't think that there's a whole lot of value one way 
or another in that game. Game 149-150, Hawaii and Nevada. Again, not a game most shows are going to talk about, probably for good reason. But Nevada's a two-and-a-half-point favorite here facing the Rainbow Warriors. Yeah, so this one goes against my power rings, but I love Nevada here. And first, let's talk weather. I mean, the first major cold front's coming. uh, It's going to hit the West this weekend. And right now, game time tense for this one. I mean, I just wrote this the other day, and it was looking like ah, maybe the 40s, but now it looks like it could dip into the 30s. So, I mean, what? we're talking Already? September. This isn't – yeah. So, and a couple people that, that I know live up in Reno, they're talking possible snow over the weekend. So, to me, I don't care. I mean, it's September. It's not November. I think you can pray, if you're Hawaii, you can better prepare yourself. It's later in the year. But when you're going from the beach and upper 80 degrees all week – to 40 degrees cooler, maybe even colder than that. And then on top of it, you're going to elevation. I think it's going to play a factor here. And Nevada has owned Hawaii. As of the last seven meetings, Nevada's covered by an average of 10 points per game. Last five times they've hosted Hawaii, they've won them all by 10 points or more. Norvell's been good at home. Uh, last 12, he's averaged covered, exceeded expectations by 10 points per game. And, and Hawaii's 8-35 and 35 on the road. And that's straight up. But, I mean, we're talking about a line here less than a field goal. so. Add all that up, that way overcomes my power ratings because I think, you know, if we're just going pure power ratings, I think the line should be probably closer to pick. But I think this is significant value on Nevada because of all the reasons I just listed. I bet the Wolfpack are one of my favorite plays of the week. Oh, God, winter. Yeah, 40-degree wind chill expected oh. around kickoff for this game. Uh, could be a little bit windy, too. There's wind in the forecast for the afternoon. Uh, if that, you know, weather system kind of slows down a little bit, Make it a little bit windy for this one here, too. We know Nevada, or we know Hawaii can't really run the football. And furthermore, they're turning the football over in decent weather. I mean, they've got a ton of turnover <laughs> issues this year. Who knows what it looks like when it's, you know, 40 degrees and Cole McDonald can't grip the football. Yeah, and I mean, it doesn't matter who they played. I mean, they've been turning over. Even last week against an FCS school, Central Arkansas. On one hand, I would say, hey, that makes Hawaii undervalued because we got a Hawaii team that has massive turnover problems, and they're still sitting at 3-1. and one. So I can see that part of the handicap there, to be perfectly frank with you. But, what, I mean, sometimes in college football, teams just have a propensity. And to me, Cole McDonald, just, you know, it's nothing fluky. I mean, he's just bad throws, and you can get that in college. This isn't the NFL. I mean, you just have bad quarterback play. And, look, Cole, Cole McDonald, to me, is kind of a high, you know, high-risk, high-reward type of guy at this point. Is Carson Strong playing for Nevada? I mean, does it matter in your handicap? Uh, I don't think he's that big uh, of, uh, you know, a difference. But, yeah, it looks like, I mean, everything that I've read so far, it says, you know, he's going to play. So, I mean, yeah, it it obviously matters probably a point or so. Okay. Game 157-158 here in the SEC East, Kentucky and South Carolina. Uh, it's been a rough couple of weeks here for the South Carolina secondary. Will Muschamp has been very upfront about how disappointed he is in his defense, which, by the way, sorry, Will, that's kind of on you too. But the Gamecocks are a three-point favorite here at Williams-Brice. And, and I don't know if either one of these teams is worth my money this week. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you if you know this, Kentucky's owned South Carolina, even though both have been really close. And, and actually, if you go back through it, not only has Kentucky won five straight, I think they've covered seven straight in this rivalry. And South Carolina's actually been the team that's been favored in a majority of those. So 
for whatever reason, Kentucky's own South Carolina, another tough handicap. And uh, in this instance, you know, Halinski's been okay, but he had a really bad game, really some really bad decision-making last week that really cost South Carolina. But I'll say this, Sawyer Smith, I don't know if I trust him. The replacement a quarterback at Kentucky wasn't very good last week. I mean, he started the game off with a pick six on the opening series, and really Kentucky couldn't recover from them. From there, even though my power ratings say South Carolina is the play here, I, I just don't trust it. Uh, I'm, I'm neutral, especially when you're looking at the, the, the current line right around three. I projected three in my newsletter pass. Yeah, I, I got it five, but I mean, maybe I just haven't accurately rated South Carolina here because I, mean, I think Holinsky does give them some upside, but man, that defense is bad. And of course, the concern would be can Kentucky exploit that bad defense? Because a bad defense is one thing, a bad defense against an offense that can take advantage of it is another. Alabama and Missouri, very well equipped to take advantage of it, Kentucky, not so much. So maybe South Carolina fares a little bit better here this week. I don't know, but not a game that I'm going to touch. Game 167-168 as we go from the east to the west, Mississippi State and Auburn. Auburn 10, 10.5-point favorite out there. Yeah, again, man, I, I, I'm, this isn't good because I'm sounding wishy-washy uh, because, again, I'm going against my power rating a little bit here because I, I think it's a little bit of a flat spot. My power ratings call for Auburn, but uh, flat spot coming off of the, the big win over Texas A&M last week, and I don't trust – Bo Nix to get margin. Uh, I, I just don't. I mean, they're not. You know, he's been decent. I mean, they're sitting there four and zero with two good wins over Oregon and A and M. But the, I, I, I to cover a, a more than ten points here against a, a decent Mississippi State uh, defense. And I also like you know Mississippi State's going with a, a freshman quarterback too, and Garrett Schrader. But I think he's better here because he, he's more mobile than Tommy Stevens. So uh, I, I'm going to lean Mississippi State. Uh, and while Auburn. I think they're a little overpriced because they're sitting here at four and zero against the spread. But com- you look at the margin combined; it's like eighteen points ATS wise. So they're four and zero ATS, and I can make a case that, that they were fortunate to cover three of those four games. I got Auburn minus thirteen here. So you know, again, like you said, power ratings kind of pointing in that Auburn direction. But I agree, it's tough for them to get margin. And you know, I mean, look, the one big takeaway I had from that A and M Auburn game last week. A&M did nothing offensively for the first three quarters. So that's yeah. the thing here for Auburn. If they're going to cover this number, they're probably going to win 24 to 10 or something like that. So I think, I think maybe the under would be a much better look here in this game. Even with that low Good total call. of 47, I think the under could very much be in play here. Uh, no offense to FAU and Charlotte. Going to skip over that one here just in the interest of time. Because I want to talk about this game. 177-178, Cincinnati and Marshall. Cincinnati, three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in Huntington here. I guess it's a sneaky good group of five game this week. Yeah, I, you're right. My number says it's right at right around three-and-a-half. I think yeah, I go to, like, the hundredth of a point. So, I got Cincinnati, like, 3.6. So, not sure I'm going to have a bet on it. But, you know, what I wrote in my newsletter was that, hey, this is arguably – uh, one of the best group of five matchups, well, at least we'll see this weekend. Uh, both teams very similar. Both teams coming off of, you know, wins over kind of semi-rivals, Miami-Ohio for uh, Cincinnati and Ohio for Marshall. I, I was impressed with Marshall, at least in a close loss of Boise State, but statistically that that was not good because Marshall did. I mean, it looks good. And they only lost 14-7 to at Boise State, but 
Marshall didn't even have a single first down in the second half of that game. So I think that one is maybe, you know, overpricing Marshall to a little bit more than what it should. I, I Both teams come in off a bye. I, you know, this popcorn game for me. I, I just think we'll learn a lot more about both teams because we just don't have enough data points with both teams coming off a bye already so far in the season. I got Cincinnati minus five here. I'm not going to play it. It's I'm not getting any key numbers or, or all that much significant value. But one thing that does stand out to me here about this game, Cincinnati plays UCF on Friday night next week. And oh, obviously call. that's a huge game within the division. So even if I had maybe Cincinnati six or something like that here, I still don't think I would play it because I don't know. I, you would like to think that they're not going to take anything for granted as a program on the rise. But, I mean, hey, when, when you start talking about playing UCF, I mean, that, that is your game in conference play. So that is something that does worry me a little bit for the Bearcats here in this particular spot. Let's get on to the fun belt. Arkansas State and Troy. Troy's a touchdown favorite here, and this is a line where we have seen a little bit of movement with the number going up. Yeah, uh, and I think there's late injury concerns about Logan Bonner, uh, the quarterback for Arkansas State, because I was going to talk to myself on an Arkansas State ticket. I mean, I just don't think we know a heck of a lot about Troy. They played Campbell. They played Akron. Uh, and they lost at home to Southern Miss, a game that I cashed against Troy in that one. Um, looking at it, I mean, I wasn't that impressed with Arkansas State last week. I mean, they only beat Southern Illinois by, by 13, but they were plus two in turnovers. And or plus 14 points off those turnovers in that game. So that was pretty much the difference. Uh, can't bet it right now, though, with Bonner. I mean, having I think it's like a thumb issue. or it's either I'll have to go through it, but it's either a thumb or a toe. He's questionable, the quarterback for Arkansas State. All right, so we move on from that game since there are some injury concerns, to be sure. Uh, we go down to a much bigger game here, primetime game, 195-196. Ohio State, 17-point favorite in Lincoln to take on Nebraska. What are your thoughts on the current line? Because I know that you had a, a ticket over the summer that, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of hoping and praying on now. Yeah, and just let me update you because this broke yesterday, and I get it. You got 130 teams, but uh, it was announced yesterday, late yesterday, Bonner's out for the season for Arkansas State with a thumb injury. Ooh. Lane Hatcher's going to be named the starter. That just broke uh, late yesterday and early this morning, so – uh, just to, so everyone's aware of that. Uh, if anything, I'd bet Troy now because I think Bonner's worth more than what this line's indicating here. But to the Ohio State-Nebraska game, and I post this ticket because, look, I mean, I post a lot of my tickets, and I'll say this. I mean, I'll, first let me start with a brag, and then I'll, you know, self-deprecate myself. But I would say 65 70% of the time, these summer betting markets, I get ahead of the number. And doesn't mean that I win them because I've, I really stunk up week one the last couple of weeks. But in this instance, I thought there was value on Nebraska in the summer. Nebraska plus 10. And now, I mean, you could have gotten 17 and a half earlier this week on Nebraska. So really bad ticket for me. And uh, people are asking, what are you going to do? I'm just going to ride it out. I mean, there's not, I don't, there's a seven point corridor where I'm taking the, the worst of the number here. And, and I, to be perfectly frank, I'm on the Nebraska side at plus 17. Uh, look, Ohio State's been really, really good, and uh, you know I've upgraded them significantly. And Nebraska's obviously struggled, but I think people are a prisoner to the final score last week. I mean, they only beat Illinois by four, but you go into that box score, they should have beaten Illinois by 34. I mean, they outgained them by nearly 400 yards, but turnovers were an issue. Biggest game in Lincoln in years. Game day's there. 
plus 17 is the second largest home underdog role Nebraska's ever, ever been in. I'll take Nebraska plus the 17. Uh, and, you know, we'll, hopefully they lose by nine so I can cash my early plus 10 ticket as well. And no knock on what goes on in Bloomington, but I mean, for Ohio State here, this is legitimately the first real road test for yeah. Justin Fields as the quarterback. So, you know, I'm really curious to see what happens in that spot for him. Of course, Ohio State with Michigan State on deck, and they never really seem to play particularly well against Michigan State. Not that they're going to overlook Nebraska, but, you know, again, we have seen Ryan Day kind of pack it away in the second half if he's got a big lead. So we'll see what happens with Ohio State. This is a game, I think this is a game built for in-game betting. You know, if you see Justin Fields going out there and doing whatever the hell he wants to do, Ohio State may win this game running away. If Fields starts slow and Nebraska hangs around, then maybe a different story. Or the over, yeah, yeah, good point I, too. Yeah, I think I mean it's a high total, but and I'll have to look at weather because that, that front, that major front is coming through. But I, I mean, I, I think there's probably some core. I actually prefer the over, no matter who covers the game. I, I think the, Nebraska, they're going to have to go score for score because I do have my doubts about Nebraska being able to effectively stop Ohio State on a you know possession by possession. If Nebraska's going to cover, they're going to have to score. So I, I, I probably like the over no matter who, but I mean, there's a good solid chance that Ohio state, I mean, they could, they did the last time they went to Lincoln, they won 56, 14. So we'll see if that Nebraska's closed the gap in two years. Well, again, in the interest of time, we'll do one more game on the college side. Cause there are a couple NFL games I want to ask you about. I'll hit on the other college games here to finish out today's show, but game 197, 198 had a listener question about this one. Houston and North Texas. And, and look, at this point, you're getting the worst of it with North Texas. Seven, seven and yeah. a half point favorite after all of the injury adjustments. But I think it's a perfectly fair question to ask, not just what De'Ara King is worth to the line. And I know that, you know, he's worth a significant amount, at least a touchdown or more for most people. You, you wonder about the mindset here of Houston now, too. That is a great point. Uh, because is it a waving the white flag situation uh, on the season? Uh, or is it a rallying, hey, you know, F that guy. I mean, he's not about the team. Let's go out and win without him. I mean, sometimes you can get that. Now, long-term, is that going to work? No, but it can for maybe a one-game sample size. The team actually rallies in, in these types of situations, and we see that, uh, you know, with backup quarterbacks. Market throws it in the trash, and th- there's some value there. You know, I thought De'Aaron King was worth more than a touchdown. He's probably one of the most five valuable quarterbacks coming into the season. Market says he's worth even more than that. I'm not, you know, two, Clayton Toon was one of the backups last year that filled in for him, and Houston was remarkably different. But, I mean, statistically, Toon wasn't terrible. Eight touchdowns, two picks last year. Uh, tough handicap, but, but you're right. I, I'm just not going to bet it at this point. It was obviously North Texas or nothing. Uh, at the start, if anything, I'd lean over. Uh, I I think Houston can still be effective offensively. Uh, if they're if they are waving the white flag, though, I think it'll affect them on the defensive side of the ball. North Texas can really run up a a number here. I, I'm not sure why the total is only sitting 58 and a half, 59. If anything, I'd bet the over. Here's something I am kind of wondering. Judging by the timing of the line moves, th- this one was already on the move before the Derek King news came out, and I know obviously. That sent ripples. Then you get followers and chasers and piggybackers and all that. What was, does it seem like North Texas was released by somebody beforehand? Like maybe they knew in advance or maybe they just liked that side to begin with? 
Well, I'll say this. The early circa number, I think, was like Houston, I'll have to look, like two and a half, three, three-ish uh, in the game. Actually, there's three looking at my notes here. I was getting ready to bet North Texas because I thought I, I had the game power rated at that point right around pick. So I think the first three, and usually, you know, I'm not saying my, my power ratings are gospel, but more often than not, the number is going to, you know, move with my power ratings uh, at that point on a Sunday morning. I've just I've tracked everything, and that's usually the case. Not always, but usually. Uh, but I thought the number was going to come down to pick anyway at that. So I think the first three points of movement was just a power rating thing, and then I think every single move after that's been all De'Ara King. All right, fair enough. That makes sense. And again, we do get some of these situations, and like I said, sometimes you will have you know inside information that leaks out into the market. Yeah. And again, watch that Minnesota Purdue game to see get a better idea of Elijah Sindelar and, and what may be the situation there with that. So we transition over to the NFL and, and you're having a great NFL season. You had a great NFL season last year too. So we'll talk about it at the end of the segment, but I very much encourage everyone to head on over to bradpowersports.com and check out that powers picks newsletter. But a couple of games I wanted to talk about with you here today, 261, 262, Kansas city and Detroit. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this one. Cause there is a side that I like in this game. Yeah, I like Detroit. And speaking of my news, I gave out Detroit. Uh, and we'll see what you think on this one. But I think the Lions are one bad five-minute stretch in the fourth quarter at Arizona away from being 3-0. and And they just beaten two straight playoff caliber teams in the Chargers and the Eagles. They get Kansas City off a big win over Baltimore. Third road game in four weeks for the Chiefs. I don't think you make long-term betting against Reed and Mahomes at this point. But Lions have a buy on deck. I think they go all in here. I'm on Detroit plus the six and a half. I'll step in front of the, the Mahomey uh, freight train here. All right. Well, I guess we're doing double or nothing on dinner, or maybe you're going to have to buy me dessert All or right, something. You're on I like Kansas city here. I mean, again, I, I know that it's a, a pretty decent number and you know, maybe it is a little bit telling that this number isn't a touchdown, but this Detroit team, and look, they very easily could have lost that game in week one that they blew in the fourth quarter. The Chargers just were a comedy of errors in week two. They had two touchdowns taken off the board on the same drive because of penalties. They had some red zone turnovers. They did a lot of dumb things in that game. And then the win over Philadelphia last week on the road for Detroit, nice win, but we all know Philadelphia very, very shorthanded. And really Philadelphia has not played all that well in Carson Wentz's starts on offense. He's just not the same guy that I think everybody expected him to be. So I think Detroit is a fraudulent 2-0-1 team. I think Mahomes going to play in a dome for the first time. He's certainly going to enjoy that with all the speed, the skill guys that he has. And also Kansas city. I mean, they can get after the quarterback. If they don't get to the quarterback, that's when they have problems. They can get to the quarterback and Matt Stafford's immobile at this point in time. So I like Kansas city here. I'll, I'll lay the road number. It's probably going to be a super contest play for me. And apparently it's going to be a double go. or nothing dinner bet for us. Absolutely. It is. And I, I always ask people, cause a lot of people love laying points on the road in the NFL six and a half let me ask you this you flip the home away uh three points for each team and arrowhead's probably worth more than three but uh would you lay 12 and a half with kc if this game was at home in a contest context probably not personally i would probably be able to talk myself into it because i i just don't think detroit's very good and also be the third road game in four weeks for detroit so you know the the same angle that you're kind of looking at there with kansas city so I think I would, but it is a, it is an excellent argument, you know, and that, that's the thing you have to look at here in the NFL, especially if you think home field advantage is worth, you know, two and a half, three points. 
or thereabouts. And, and like we talked about on Tuesday's show with Rolf Michaels, uh, you know, road teams have done very well in the NFL this year. I don't know if it continues, but that has been the case here so far. Uh, speaking of a road team, let's see if they can do well here. Out in the Mile High City, Jacksonville and Denver. <laughs> Denver, three-point favorite with extra juice in this game. What are you thinking about this one? Yeah, I was thinking I was going to like Denver. Uh, I just want to play on the 0-3 team at home. They've been really good at home in September, uh, even though they've lost two straight. But prior to that, they had won 14 straight home games in September. But, I don't know, Big Fangio looks like he's in over his head. And I just think it's remarkable. Denver's defense, zero sacks. With Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, zero sacks, three games. And Jacksonville, if anything, Denver struggled protecting the quarterback. Last week they gave up six sacks, and now they face a, a Jacksonville defense that, you know, had nine sacks against Tennessee. Uh, I kind of – decent spot for Denver just at home, and it's, it looks short. But matchup-wise, I lean Jacksonville. If I get three and a half, I'd probably talk myself into the Jags here. Let me throw one thing out for our listeners here, and I'll have to check and see while I'm talking here if this total has moved around. Not really. We're looking at 35-mile-per-hour gusts for this game on Sunday. Sustained winds in the 20-mile-per-hour range. Going to be 85 and sunny, but it is going to be very windy here for this game. So keep that in mind here with a Denver team that can't really throw the football anyway, tries to establish the run. Jacksonville wants to throw it with Gardner Minshew. So that may have some impact here on what these two teams want to do. So, again, as as Brad mentioned, you you got a weather front going into Reno, October – you know, late September, early October, you can get hurricanes, you can get wind, you can get a lot of precipitation. Very important. This will be the note we end on here. Very important to always check those weather forecasts, especially as you get closer to the game and as the confidence level in those forecasts increases. Brad Powers, professional handicapper over at bradpowersports.com. What's going on over there right now, man? Yeah, I should just talk about my newsletter. Why not? I mean, I write up every single college game, every single NFL game each and every week. Power ratings are in there. Trends of the week are in there. You name it, and a heck of a lot more. And the price point, it's awesome. 79 bucks. Not for this week, not for, you know, October or whatever. I'm talking the rest of the season, college, NFL, weekly newsletter, emailed to you each and every week, now through the Super Bowl. It's 79 bucks, and it's at bradpowersports.com, Powers Picks Newsletter. And, of course, you can follow Brad on Twitter, at Brad Powers and the number seven. Brad, appreciate your time as always, man. Thank you so much for joining me, and I'll be thinking about that free meal I'm going to get on you next time I'm out there. All right. Hey, sounds good, buddy. Take care. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.